Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. Hebrews chapter 4, and picking it up where, in fact, I'll read the last verse of chapter 3, talking about that first generation that came out of Egypt, led by Moses, that didn't make it into the promised land. They wandered around for 40 years. And and so God says about it, verse 19 of chapter 3, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They didn't believe that God was going to keep his promise. They thought the giants were too strong, and they they really thought that God was not going to follow through with his power, like he had done for them in Egypt. So, chapter 4 now, therefore, since a promise remains, isn't this interesting? Since a promise remains, well, God made a promise to take them in, but they didn't go in because of unbelief. Since a promise remains, (laughs) what does that mean? God's promise is still in effect. Since a promise remains of entering his rest. So, you're going to see a parallel here, uh, really, a connection here between going across the Jordan and possessing their promised land so they could have their farms and olive groves and vineyards and such and their businesses, their land ownership, the promised land, right? You're going to see God parallel that with entering his rest. In other words, uh, and, and, and we'll see it here, in other words, the, some would call it the rest of God, talking about, ah, uh, I'm resting in God. God has my back. God is surrounding me. God is protecting me. I'm okay now. I'm with him. I'm, I'm well. I'm blessed. The re- I, can, uh, I can relax, see? The rest of God. In other words, I fought the battle and I won. Notice that God is paralleling getting across the Jordan and possessing your land as resting in him. Now, here's what's interesting. God wants us to do it in our hearts first. He wants us to believe so much that his promises are true that we can already enter into rest saying, oh, it's a done deal. That, that's kind of the way we'd say it. Well, it's a done deal. I mean, we still got to sign the paperwork. We've still got to play and get the keys to the house or whatever. But, oh, it's a done deal. See, and that's what God wants. God wants us to look at his promises and in our hearts Enter the rest by saying, oh, well, God promised, so it's a done deal. I know we haven't seen the the healing manifest. I know we haven't seen the financial breakthrough, but God promised. And we've received it by faith. It's a done deal. See, when, when you receive it by faith and enter his rest, you can already rejoice. This was the very opposite of what that first generation did out of Egypt. They complained. They bickered. They moaned. They, they criticized Moses and God. Because they didn't believe. See, when you believe, you praise God. You're thankful, even if you haven't seen it yet. See, and so this is what he's talking about, entering the rest, the rest of faith, the rest of believing, the rest of being assured. I know it's done. The work is done. It's a done deal. Okay, now watch this. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Talking about being like that first generation out of Egypt who didn't make it in. Verse 2, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, 
But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So notice, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. He's not talking about the gospel that Jesus died on the cross and was raised the third day. No, he's saying the gospel, meaning the promise of God for salvation to bring you into the promised land. And by the way, that whole scenario of God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt in uh, across the wilderness, across the Jordan, and into the promised land to give them the territory, that's a whole type. That's a whole picture of salvation. This is the point. Coming out of Egypt, coming through the Red Sea, that's coming out of sin, coming out of the world, coming out of bondage, out of slavery to sin. God delivers us with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Coming across the Jordan is being filled with the Holy Spirit, see? So we're getting born again out of sin, and now we're being filled with the Spirit and into the promised land. And notice in the promised land, you still have to fight. You have to fight battles to take these things, I'm talking about spiritual battles. You have to take these things by faith. So the promised land is not just lounging by the pool. The promised land is fighting and taking territory for the kingdom of God and for what God has promised you and, uh, and your ministry. So he's saying, just like those people, he said the gospel was preached to them that God wanted them to have the promised land, wanted to bring them in, but it wasn't mixed with faith in those who heard it. They were receiving it on an intellectual level and comparing it to the other data that they were receiving from the 10 spies that went and said, oh yeah, we can't have it and so on. And that's why they didn't receive it because they didn't receive the gospel, the promises by faith. They didn't believe it, see? And so it says, the gospel which they heard did not profit them. And this is so many believers today. These promises will not profit you. They will not work because it's not mixed with faith in those who heard it. So notice again, uh, but the word that was spoken to them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Verse three, for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So uh, in other words, the writer of Hebrews saying, God called it a rest way back then. They shall not enter my rest, talking uh, to the children of Israel that did not believe him. He called it a rest. So the writer of Hebrews is picking it up now, some 1,500 years later, and saying uh, that we should enter the rest today. How do you do that? By faith. You enter the rest by faith. So now now you got to catch this. Here's some revelation right here. I got to start from verse three again. For we who have believed do enter that rest uh, by faith. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, you shall not enter my rest. Now watch this. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? What that means is, that even though that first generation out of Egypt did not enter into the rest, the promise of God, the rest in their hearts, and then the rest of taking the promised land, it says even though they didn't believe it and even though it didn't come to pass, it said although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So from the foundation of the world, before God had even made Adam and Eve and mankind, 
God saw all these things play out in the future because God's outside of time. And it says, God completed the work for them to go into the promised land. And in his heart and mind, it's already done. The works were finished. Do you remember when the Bible says that God rested from his works on the seventh day, way back in Genesis chapter 1? Yeah, well, that wasn't only creation that we read about there. The Bible teaches us that all these works, do you remember Ephesians 2.10? For we are his workmanship created in, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All the works that we're supposed to accomplish, God prepared beforehand. Beforehand when? Before the seventh day in Genesis chapter 1. Oh, yeah. He saw you in Adam and Eve. He saw you. He saw me. He saw Moses. He saw the children of Israel. He saw everybody, Peter, James, John, everybody. And God would not rest back in Genesis until he completed everything that everybody needed so that they could fulfill their destiny. Isn't that wonderful? Well, it is for us, but for these people, it says, God swore, you're not going to enter my rest, although, see, he swore he's not going to take him into the promised land, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So even though God had done everything to get them into the promised land, because they wouldn't believe him, because they kept complaining and criticizing, now God's saying, I'm not taking you in, even though I prepared to take you in, and I had everything ready, nothing could stop you. But now I'm not taking you in because you don't believe and you're still complaining. Oh, that's powerful. This is why the Bible said, beware lest this happens to us. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Well, I'm tempted to just take a moment now and give you a little illustration. Can you imagine a, a newborn baby that's just born into a family? I mean, just one day old. Just think if it could talk. And if this baby, wah, wah, and, and the daddy said, what's the matter, sweetheart? Why are you crying? Well, because I, I'm in this world here, and I don't even have a crib. I don't even have diapers. I don't, I don't have any baby food. I don't, how am I going to be nourished in all of this, right? Well, can you imagine what that father would say to that newborn baby? It's like, oh, sweetheart, I know you don't know this, but before you were born, we already have your room uh, built out for you. We've got it decorated. We've got a crib in there. We've got a, a rocking chair in there. We've got a changing table in there. In fact, we've even got some little clothes for you. We've got your closet full of clothes already. Oh, yeah, we've got it. In fact, and your mother already has all the milk you need, everything provided for you. And not only that, we've got money to be able to buy you everything. You're not going to lack everything. We have prepared everything. And this is exactly the picture that God is saying here. God is saying, listen, I made these promises to you, but don't think that I didn't prepare everything for you just because you can't see it, just because you're not aware of it. That doesn't mean that, that the works are not already finished. God is saying right here, every promise that he's made to us, he's already finished the works to bring those promises to pass. So what does that mean? Rest. Rest. Rest in the promise of God that your father has already gone down the road. It's all, it's a done deal. And now you can rest and just walk it out. 
for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in it. Just walk in it and rest. Believe God. That doesn't mean we don't fight in the Spirit, but we're not fighting in the Spirit to try to get God to do something. No, he's finished it. He already wants it to happen. He's prepared the way. Isn't this powerful? See, so this is this, this uh, parallel, this metaphor that he's using about rest, but it pertains to us today, 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 today. Okay, here we go. Verse 4, for he who has, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day. And now he's going to get into what I was just talking about. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day. Now I want you to notice, and, and I'm going to pull this parallel here. I swore in my wrath to that first generation, you're not going to enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world for, here's how they were finished, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So see, that tells us right there that the works that he did before the seventh day in Genesis chapter one included the works necessary to take that first generation out of Egypt and into the promised land. <laughs> See? So some of you may have speculated or may, you may have uh, been skeptical about what I said, but there it is. That proves it right there. Okay, that's where I got that from. And so it says, God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this place they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains, oh, that's talking about now. Since therefore it remains, verse 6, that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, so David is the psalmist that wrote this, uh, it says, saying in David, today, after such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have afterward spoken of another day. Let me say that another way. If Joshua had given the first gen or given the second generation the real rest of God, then David would not be saying today in the Psalms, today if you'll hear his voice. In other words, it would have all been solved. He said, no, but it's not all solved. We still need to enter his rest today. So he said, if Joshua had given them rest, talking about the second generation, then he would not, David would not have afterward spoken of another day. There, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And, uh, and there's a capital H there. He would not have afterwards spoken. You think, well, that, you know, in the King James or New King James and some translations, that's talking about God. Yeah, because God was speaking through David in the Psalms. See, these, these are, yes, written by human beings, but they're inspired by God. So they're the words of God. So he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest, talking about God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So in other words, just like God finished the six days of work, including all the works prepared for you and me to fulfill our ministries and assignments here on earth and the promises here on earth, just as that, it says, for he who has entered his rest, talking about us, 
has himself also ceased from works as God did from his. In other words, you stop trying to work to bring the promise to pass. But you realize God has already done the works to bring the promise to pass. My job is to obey him, to submit to him, so that it actually is realized and it plays out. If I'm trying to work to get it to come to pass, as if, well, God's not doing it, so I better do it. No. (laughs) This shows that most people misunderstand faith without works is dead. No, faith is not trying to do the works because God's not getting it done, so I got to do my part. I got to get it done. No, faith is, no, he's already done the works. My job is to obey him so that his works will be realized and the supernatural will happen. Oh, this is good. Okay, here we go. Verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone uh, fail, uh, lest anyone fall according to the same uh, example of disobedience as the first generation out of Egypt. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now notice this popular verse is buried right here. So what is he saying? Two things. Number one, that these promises that God had made to the children of Israel, they should have grabbed those promises and say, God's word is true. It's living and powerful. It'll bring this promised land to our into our hands. But they didn't. But not only that, if they would have grabbed the word, it would have discerned inside and shown them that their hearts were not believing right and would have rectified that situation in their hearts so that they could go in. This is why we've got to ingest the word, what we're doing right now. See, some of you right now, you're thinking of your own life and situations. And don't be discouraged by that. Let the word of God expose that. Let the word of God bring it to light and divide between the spirit and the soul, the joints and marrow, and the thoughts and the intents, the motives of the heart. And he goes on to say in verse 13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. Wait a minute, I thought we were talking about the word of God. We are. It's a person. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was was God. He was in the beginning with God. So Jesus is the word of God. So when you're looking at the Word of God, the Word of God is looking back at you. See, and so there's nothing hidden from His sight, the Word of God's sight. Verse 13, there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. What does that mean? Let us hold fast what we say, what we believe, which is the truth of the Word of God. Let's stick with saying what He said, speaking what He what he promised. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We don't have a high priest that is up in heaven. He doesn't relate to what it's like to be a human being. No, we have a high priest who, yes, is creator God, but he came down to become one of us, relinquished his God abilities so that he could actually feel what it's like to be in human flesh, tempted, tempted to believe what you see and experience and have heard more than what God's word says. He went through these temptations. So he sympathizes with us. 
he, he understands how we're pressured uh, to believe something else. For, uh, once again, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. See, because we have a high priest that's in the Holy of Holies, uh, like this, let's not be embarrassed to go in. Let's be confident. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let's run to God. Let's not crawl in there, you know, believing that he's going to reject us. No, no, he's not going to reject us. Go in to see the Lord Jesus Christ boldly and say, Lord, I'm struggling with believing this promise. It seems too good to be true. It seems impossible. But Lord, I'm coming to the throne of grace today to stand in faith, to tell you, I believe and give me grace and, and help, Lord, in this time of need so I can enter your rest. And oh, let you do it. Praise God. Isn't this powerful? Just, just reading through the context helps these popular verses snap into the place of the puzzle where they're originally given, and then they make sense. Praise God. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word today. And we pray that you'd help us by your grace and mercy. We pray that you would help us to stand strong on the promises of God and to allow you to bring them to pass. We pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.